Welcome back to the Daily Thunder Podcast. This is Week 7 Recap. I'm your host, Ryan Woods, and I am here, as always, with the stud Daily Thunder beat writer, Brandon Rabar. Brandon, how are you? Oh, much better after that introduction. Man, that was... <laughs> I feel nice. <laughs> uh, no, it's... Oh, go ahead. I, I'm still well, was, Before we jump into Thunder stuff, I wanted to see if you um, had watched Yellowstone yet. I, I watched, okay, so the premiere was two hour-long episodes. I watched the first hour-long episode. Uh, I'm actually headed now to get myself a little uh, coffee to watch the uh, second hour tonight. So I watched the first hour last night, then the second half tonight. We, we, are, uh, we are connected in this way. I've also only watched the first one, excited to watch the second one tonight. Um, Oh, you want me to get you a coffee while I'm out? Yes, please do. Please do. I'll I'll send you my order. (laughs) Well, you know what I like. You know what I like. Yeah. Um, (laughs) All right. So the Thunder uh, took down the Knicks in pretty convincing fashion on Sunday uh, afternoon. We're going to get to that. And just a phenomenal game last night. We're recording this on Tuesday evening. Uh, a phenomenal game against the Celtics last night. Uh, Boston pulled it out in the end. Pretty substantial comeback. Lots to lots to get into. Uh, and then the Thunder played tomorrow night in Washington. And uh, we're going to get into all of that. So, uh, Brandon, let's start with the Knicks game on Sunday. Um, the Thunder brought their... They're shooting uh, in spades on Sunday at Madison Square. What is it about Madison Square and this team? Like they've, I think they've won five in a row at the Garden, uh, and it's just a, a place. I know a lot of visiting teams go into that building and want to put on a show. It's such an iconic place to play, and there is such a such an interesting and like unique environment. It really does live up to the hype that place and it shows in in some of the performances that they get year after year from visiting players but this team uh just thrives there especially josh giddy uh, another uh, another great triple double we got a phenomenal soundbite uh from wally zerbiak uh thunder fans i'm sure you've seen it but <laughs> iconic i would say uh and it's been put to good use so far but um just your general thoughts on on the thunder and uh, a great game at, at the garden. Yeah. Last year was the big Josh Giddy Trey man game mm-hmm. where Josh Giddy probably had his best game as a rookie. And then Trey man had his best game as a rookie and led an overtime win on the backs of those two. Cause Shay was out this year. Shay's in. I feel like you can just kind of copy and paste the stats at this point, like <laughs> 37 points, Eight assists, uh, 4.5 rebounds, two steals, two blocks. I, I don't know which night that was. It was like three of the last four nights. I mean, that's just the stats now. Yeah. Shea's just been unreal. Like, he he's the story every game, so it's almost like you have to pick something else to, to talk about because Shea's just a given. So Shea was phenomenal, once again, at the Garden. Um, so I'll, I'll talk about Josh Giddy. Josh Giddy. Uh, had his best game as a sophomore and rookie at Madison Square Garden. <laughs> his only triple double so far this year. He was great. His floater game is on. When his floater game is on, you know it. It kind of helps out his whole offense. You know his his assists, his playmaking are always going to be there. His rebounds have been phenomenal this year. Uh, the turnovers have been an issue, not in the uh, Knicks game, but that Knicks game is kind of like the perfect giddy game. The floater. The passing, the rebounds, the connector. Um, he was just really, really good. That's kind of the ideal Josh Giddy game, and we got it in New York. Like, if he played every game like it was at Madison Square Garden, uh, we'd have two all-stars on this team this year. Uh, but Josh Giddy, I, I think he had his three best games in a row, kind of culminating in that Knicks game. And so hopefully he keeps this momentum up. 
he struggled a little bit against the Celtics uh, in some areas, was was strong in some areas as well. Uh, but, man, Shea is just I, – I, I said I was going to bypass it and not talk about it, but you, you just can't talk <laughs> enough about – He's I mean, just, just been going incredible. Back to Shea. He's just yeah. – He's just so good. And, and you know, if you want to say that Madison Square Garden is the biggest stage, you know, because of the iconic arena and because of the market size and playing against the Knicks, uh, then, you know, he brought I, – I, I can't even say he brought – it's not his best game of the year. It's like I said, like every game is a Shea game, but he did it again in New York. I mean, the, the team was just great against the Knicks. Um. Yeah, I mean, he was he was really good. I like the the floater. He really likes that shot. Yeah, Giddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he does. And you know, it's it's kind of up and down. Like when he hits it, he he struggled with a little bit against the Celtics. But man, when it's going in, it's such a pretty shot. And he's he's doing this thing now where he's noticing the mismatches. He's like, yeah, "Yeah, I'm six eight guard, and they're throwing six three guards at me. I'm just gonna go down. Uh, and post these guys up and shoot over them, and it's been working. Uh, I'd love it if we see that become a regular part of his game, and, and I think he's starting to to develop that more. That could be such a weapon, using that size disadvantage or advantage. Josh Giddy's like giddy, 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 triple double, triple double through the lane, just doing whatever the heck he wants. I'm gonna need that video. Pretty much. I mean, <laughs> I don't even know if we're allowed to use that, but oh my gosh, what a what a hilarious soundbite. Um, yeah, he was phenomenal. The the three-point shooting we saw, again, from Trey Mann, Jalen Williams, uh, JRE, like these guys were were really, really solid. Uh, even jo- like Josh had some really, really nice um, like catch-and-shoot moments. The, the, one, the one in front of the Knicks bench uh, at the end of the quarter was really nice, like he had he had some really good moments and the whole team just shot so well like it was a what was it like 145 135 both teams shot the lights out yeah both teams just could not miss and it was crazy to see the Knicks uh score i think it was a franchise record 48 points in the first quarter yeah uh and then still lost the game <laughs> uh that's a testament one to you know how much offense was being played uh, I think another, it's a testament again, though, to, to the Thunder team and the fight, you know, to give up, you know, to have 48 points scored against you, be down double digits in the first quarter and to come back and win that game. I mean, they, they just hitting everything that game. We saw it in the preseason, you know, the Thunder been struggling from deep this season, but we've seen kind of hints that this could be a team that any given night could, could go crazy from three. And they just happened to do so against the Knicks. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. The pace was good. I think Oklahoma City now um, leads the league in pace. Seems like a something they're really focused on um, is getting up the floor. Even after made baskets, um, the team is flying. I actually got to – I was watching that game on the Knicks feed. Um, Mike Breen uh, was calling it with Walt Frazier, and um, they – they they like just marveled at Shea pretty much the entire game, uh, as well as Giddy. Like their 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 speed, their control, the way the ball moved. They talked a lot about just how disciplined they were with closeouts and defending without fouling and being physical while still not over the top where you're just gonna run out of fouls super fast. Um, but how well coached the team was. It was um it was really fun, and and obviously they're they're marveling at at Shea and and his just his ascent. This has been amazing. Like like you're saying that you're just copy and pasting like thirty five, thirty six points, eight assists, four rebounds. Like it happens routinely now, and it's. I, I was trying to think back to like when we first, you know, when we first traded for him. Like I didn't know you know, that he would ever become a 25 point per game scorer. You know, I didn't know if that was in the cards that he wasn't touted as some, you know, dead eye shooter by any means, but he was like a crafty guard. This is, this is a whole new thing. Yeah. The way he's scoring this year, 
obviously in the paint at the rim, drives mid-range. But he's hitting from outside as well. You know, we saw it two years ago. He was like a 42, 43% shooter a couple years ago uh, before he got shut down. He struggled last year from deep. But I'm telling you, a lot of that had to do with he was trying out that sidestep, step-back, three-point shot. Mm -hmm. He's getting so many double teams. He's having to create off the dribble, create his own shots so much. Like He doesn't get very many catch-and-shoot opportunities. But when he gets catch-and-shoot opportunities, he hits at a very, very high clip. Um, and then, and we saw that in these last couple games. And, you know, he's such a good free-throw shooter. Like, the guy can shoot. I believe in the shot. And for his career, he's like a 35% three-point shooter. He's now up to like 37.4, I think it is, something like that. So he's, he's above NBA league average now. <clears throat> I think he's a good shooter. And his drives... He just, his craftiness, he's such a unique player. Like, you try to find a comp for him and the way he scores. And, you know, I've heard you know, there's been some decent ones, DeMar DeRozan, James Harden, uh, Jaw, like, you know, guys that get to the rim or shoot from mid-range. But he's kind of got the whole package. He's kind of got the whole bag. He's getting to the free throw line a lot. He's scoring so efficiently without shooting a very high volume of threes. You know, the stats going around now, he's he's shooting the highest field goal percentage for a guard scoring over 30 points a game since Michael Jordan 32 years ago. Uh, he's just doing some bizarre things. He's the only guard to average two steals, 1.5 blocks a game ever, except for Michael Jordan. I mean, like, he's doing some <laughs> crazy, crazy things this year. Mm -hmm. And, you know... The sample size is still small. We're talking about 13 games, but it keeps growing and it just keeps doing the same thing. Like at what point, you know, it's, it's not surprising anymore to see him score 37 points, get two blocks, two steals, eight assists and five rebounds. And it's nuts. Like it's nuts that that's not crazy anymore. Right. It's nuts that it's not nuts. Right. That he's normalizing it. You're like Russell Brest Westbrook normalized the triple double. And, and again, 13-game sample size. This could change. But right now, no Thunder fan is surprised to see Shea score 37 points and, and just fill up the stat sheet like he's been doing. 37.8% from three on the year now. Um, it's really, really improving. Um, anything else from the Knicks game that stood out before we move on to, to Boston? No, I want to talk about that Boston game because I think that might have been even more impressive even though they lost. I love it. I love it. All right, let's go to let's go to Boston. Uh 126-122 was the final. Uh just some some raw numbers here. 37 um yeah, 37 8 and 4 from Shea. Um 21 from Dort who was a plus 5. Poku was a plus 5 for the game. Uh 21 and 5 for Dort. 16 and 14 for Poku, who left the game for a small stretch uh, after turning an ankle. Great to see him come back. Um, 14 and 6 and 2 assists from Jalen Williams. We will talk about those 2 assists in a minute. Um, and then 16 and 4 for Josh Giddy. He was um, he was awesome. I... Actually, I'll just leave. I'll give you the floor. Like, where would you like to start here? Again, you have to start with Shea. So just blanket statement. Shea was great. Yada, yada, yada. I mean, you know, like, that's just the thing. So 13 of, 13 of 26, two of four from three. And uh, perfect at the free throw line, nine of nine. And he scored 10 points in the last five minutes. When, when the Thunder couldn't get a bucket and the game was getting away from them, the only reason that they were still, you know, in that game and it could have gone either way and they could have held on and won was because of Shea hitting, you know, buckets down the stretch. Uh, look, I, I really think that this was a chance for the Thunder. If they were going to lay an egg, it, it would have been this game. It was the second night of a road back-to-back -back against a true title-contending team in Boston with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Al Horford. Uh, I mean, this is a stacked team. They had every excuse to lay an egg this game, and yet they still come out. They lead by double digits. They lead for, for most of the game, for like three quarters of the game. They're leading yeah. this game. It only got away 
you know, that that was probably the loudest crowd I've seen, uh, you know, the Thunder play against this season. The, the Boston crowd was really, really into it in that fourth quarter. It was a hostile mm-hmm. environment. Uh, and it was just a matter of turnovers, um, a couple questionable calls there at the end. Uh, the Thunder probably got a couple in their favor earlier in the game, but then there was some that that went in Boston's favor there at the end. And it kind of like, you know, when it rains, it pours type of thing. Some turnovers. And then Marcus Smart just like going crazy there at the end, just hitting shot after shot. Uh, some Some tough ones too. But I was just so impressed that the Thunder, not only did they not lay an egg, like they gave this true contending Boston team at home everything they could handle. And they could have very easily won this game had things just not gone south there at the very, very end of the game. I was just really, really impressed. And again, it was a team effort. It was Shea, but man, Poku was phenomenal. He was, he was the second best player in this game. Lou Dort, you know, he's been kind of criticized a lot for his offense this year. He's been stacking together uh, some nice games lately. He was good yeah. against Boston. Uh, Jalen Williams was really, really nice this game. I don't know, man. That that game to me, even though it was a loss, was kind of when you realize, man, this Thunder team is pretty good. Like, it's it's not just a – I don't think it's this small sample size thing anymore. It's not just this fluky thing that they're competitive against teams. This Thunder team might actually be pretty decent. Oh, yeah. Like – like that, 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 that this is that, the that, game that, that like that feels like a yeah it feels like it feels like things have really shifted in the last like honestly since the last time we talked it, yeah it it feels like and we've been like we've been texting about it throughout the week but like it does feel like they've it feels like they've climbed to a different tier um, yes. than than when like my 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 thought towards them as far as like expectations for the season and expectations for um the draft um all of that has has uh has it's definitely different than when we started the year and it doesn't feel like they've been playing that much basketball and it's all these young guys like this is this is fueled by 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 these young guards and and an emerging front court player in poku yeah, Poku, he's the the sample size on him is getting bigger and bigger all the time too. That he actually looks like a good NBA player. <laughs> I think he's just good. I, I think yeah. he's just good now. Like I don't know he, what else to say. He's just he he's a contributing contributing NBA player. He's top ten in the entire NBA in block shots. The, <laughs> the, the dude is still twenty years old. He's younger than half of the rookie class this year. It's so funny, and I've said it a couple times now, but but if you go back to when he was drafted, everybody said, be patient. He's raw. He's a project. you got to be patient. And then at the end of the year, everybody's like, get rid of this guy. He mm-hmm. stinks. And But here we are two years later, and it's kind of coming together. I mean, it's not kind of. It just is. He's shooting well. For, he's, he's at like almost 38% from three-point range this year. He's, uh, he's blocking like 1.7 shots a game. He's scoring. He's rebounding. He's a connector guy. You know, if, if Poku ends up being a solid rotation player on a playoff team, that is a huge win for the Thunder organization. And I think it's happening. Like, I I see it happening. And he's still so young. And he still has so much, you know, to learn, so much farther to go. Uh, but, yeah, I, back to the original point, Poku sidetracked for good reason. Um, this Thunder team, I think the trajectory and, and kind of the timeline is different because Shea is so good and he's making everybody around him better. But then also these young guys themselves are just pretty good. Everybody, like you said, is further along than we thought. Um, and I just got to wonder how many more games would this Thunder team have won with Chet Holmgren? They've got a Chet Holmgren sized hole at center. And they've lost a lot of really close two, three, four-point games, overtime games. If Ch- Chet Holmgren's in there, I mean, instead of six and eight, are they eight and six right now? I mean, I don't know. It's it's fair for sure. I mean, I think where this team struggles is 
I think where this team struggles just from like a box score standpoint is rebounding. They can they can get hurt pretty good on the on the offensive glass. Um, we saw it in the Boston game some. Um, I remember one specific play. Boston ended up with, I think, three opportunities in in one trip, and uh, it eventually ended with a with a three, like a kick out three after uh, a couple offensive rebounds like those those are huge momentum plays that um especially when you're playing on the road i want to get to those turnovers i think i think that was like the big like that stretch in the third like to close the third and into the fourth was a really uh a really detrimental stretch for them the um the turnover uh, like just careless stuff like getting it across half court like Boston did a really really good job of just spooking young guys and Poku will get the ball and um in this case it was um I think it was between Shea and Poku the the turnover um near midcourt but like just a lack of um just a lack of confidence getting the ball across like no need to to toy around with it. No need to look at each other. Uh, there's no pass to be made before you get across half court. Just get it across. Um, happened a couple times. Josh went to the same like spin move that kept resulting in live ball turnovers. It was just a lot of live ball turnovers that, that became like easy transition buckets on the other end. And I think it was a sign I think it's a sign of inexperience. I think the crowd really fed into it. Um, obviously, Boston is a very, very good defensive team. A lot of, a lot of really good individual defenders, um, and they've been playing together a long time. So that that's the kind of stuff you would expect from a young team. But they had dominated the game for so long that it still felt surprising when it happened. Yeah, it really did. And and it's it's impressive that it was a surprise, right? Like this is the youngest team and they've been one of the best teams in the NBA as far as turnover ratio goes. So, they've been taking care of the ball. So the fact that you're on the road in a hostile environment against this really good defensive team in Boston and it's so shocking to see them, you know, kind of lose control of the ball and of the game. Uh, I think it's a testament to the expectations that have risen about this team uh, because they've done that. They've taken care of the ball in those situations. So, you know, inexperience, youth, hostile environment against a really good team, a title contending team, a vet team in Boston. Uh, you know, it goes in the win-loss column as a loss, but I really felt like this was one of the most impressive games for the Thunder this year. Um. I believe it was late in the second. I don't think they got all the way to halftime with only six turnovers, but I know late in the first half, they only had six, which against that team on the road. And I don't know if we've mentioned this yet. They had played the night before, like they had played the day before. Um, this was, um, this was these young guys logging a lot of minutes uh, in back-to-back nights uh, against, I mean, Boston's just really good. Um, maybe the best team in the league right now. And, um, and they pushed them. They really did. But, um, but yeah, they, but you know, leading up to halftime, like they had just done such a good job of taking care of it. And the ball moved so well was finding a lot of open looks. Um, so kudos to, to them for how long they just, they, they kept control were in control. Um, but they, the, the, those, those live ball turnovers, I think they're they're gonna see a lot on on tape that they can that they can learn from specifically Josh. I think he ended with with seven turnovers on his own. Um, I want to make sure I get that right. I'm look, looking. That feels right. Seven, yeah, seven on. He, I mean, he he finished as a plus six for the game, but um, but yeah, seven turnovers for Josh uh, against four assists. Probably if, you know, that's obviously no one knows that more than him, but 
that's that's a, a really good learning experience on the road in, in a place like that for him. Yeah, no, it really is. Uh, it was back to back for Josh. He was so good against the Knicks, had his best game of the season, like we said, and then, you know, struggled down the stretch against this Boston team. But like you said, it's just learning experience. You know, he's got to tighten up the handle. He's got to take, you know, better control of the ball. And I think that's all development for him. I think I mean, we're aware of it. Josh is well aware of it. And I, I think it's something that's going to happen. I'm not too worried about that long term. Um, I wanted to ask you about your thoughts on the rotation. I've enjoyed the 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 way that Mark is staggering Josh and Shay. Um, Shay plays the entire first. Josh plays a good chunk of it. Uh, and then you see either Trey Mann, who didn't play in um who didn't play against uh against Boston. Um and remind me, did he I don't think he played against New York either. I don't believe so, no. Um, but he's uh Shea is playing the whole first, Josh is playing the majority of the first, uh, a good chunk of it, and then he, and then Josh starts the second with Shea out, but it's a lot of the same guys. You're getting a lot of, of minutes with J-Dub with Shea um, and also with Trey. Uh, you're seeing a lot of Shea, J-Dub, and Trey Man minutes together. And then those two play a bunch with Josh uh, to start the second. I've really liked that they're getting these young guys – specifically J-Dub, a lot of minutes with other creators. Um, and it's I think it's a benefit to him. And then his ability to create has had an impact on the rest of the roster. Yeah, I'm really liking these rotations as well. It's it's kind of like you don't know what you're going to get any given night. It's, it's like Forrest Gump and the box of chocolates. I, I, I know that Shea's going to get a lot of minutes. Lou's going to get a lot of minutes and Josh is going to get a lot of minutes. Other than that, you don't know how many minutes anybody's going to play or when they're going to play or how they're going to be rotated. But I do really like when they are staggered. So, you know, there's a time where SGA can completely be in control of the ball, you know, have the ball in his hands, run the team. Then there's times where Giddy has the ball in his hands and runs the team. And I do like that, that trio when it's Giddy, Man, and J-Dub off the bench. It's just a fun, young, uh, you know, you got two shooters and J-Dub, I still think it's a shooter, and Trey Man, Giddy running the show. But they all can create, they can all play make, and they all have such fun offensive skills. Uh, you know, and the, the SGA-Giddy dynamic, I think, is still a work in progress. I'm not worried about it in the least. Uh, it's it's a good problem to have that you have so many guys that can handle the ball, that can play make, that can set up an offense. Like this is not something the Thunder are used to. You know, it was like Russ and KD, and like nobody else could dribble, uh, <laughs> or set, you know, or set up guys. Uh, so it's it's a good problem to have, and you know, I, I see a lot of questions about it. I think that SGA is totally bought in. I think that Giddy is totally bought in. I think that. SGA is one of the best scorers in the league, but he's also a really, really good playmaker, and he needs the ball in his hands to be effective. But Josh Giddy is a really, really good playmaker, and you know I think his scoring game is improving. So he needs the ball in his hands. So I like when they when they stagger, so they each get that opportunity. And I'm looking forward to seeing them grow together even more and more when they're on the floor together. Um, Jada was was really, really good. In, in that game last night, he scored the first six um, in totally different ways. Uh, the back, like his cutting along the baseline is, is really good. And it re reminds me a lot of, um, it reminds me a lot of like young Harden, the way that he and Collison worked um, along the baseline. It, it yes. has, this, it has this feel like there's such a maturity to his game, such an intelligence to, how he moves and like 
there's just so, the like you can tell Shea has such confidence in him. Um, like he can really lean on him when they're out there together and Josh as well. And his like then you'll see him, and this is also kind of hard and ask, but like those one-handed bounce passes to a cutter on the baseline, the the cor- the defender that's guarding the guy in the corner kind of falls asleep. This team is full of guys that move without the ball. Kenrich Williams, JRE, these guys are are really doing a good job of providing targets to guys that are on the move with the ball. And Jalen has been incredible at looking for that. Yeah, J-Dub's passing was the most underrated thing about him coming out of college. His playmaking at Santa Clara was so good, but nobody talked about it. Everybody talked about his shooting. Everybody talked about his scoring. Everybody talked about his his measurables, like his 6-6 frame with a 7-2 wingspan and his defensive potential and his vertical and all those things for good reason. And then you go back and look at his tape and you look at his numbers and you look at like draft analysts and they're all like, this is one of the best passers in college basketball. But for some reason that kind of got swept under the rug uh, after he was drafted and, and nobody really talked about it much, but you see it. He's a really creative, smart, high IQ passer. And, and he's, and again, that's just like the new thunder prototype between Giddy, between SGA J-Dub, even Trey Mann, you see it. Even Poku, you see it. Uh, these guys can all play make, but but I think that right now J-Dub could be the backup point guard, no questions asked. Like if they if they weren't staggering SGA and Giddy, and you see it in a few minutes a game, J-Dub does have the ball in his hands and he's yep. kind of leading the backup unit. Yeah. Um, what was your reaction to the Aaron Wiggins putback dunk? Oh, it was, I mean, it was, it was awesome. Like, it's funny. You just don't see that from Aaron Wiggins very often. Like, didn't know, didn't know that was possible. One of these young guys will pop off and do something. Like, I didn't know they had that in his bag. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, it was, we hadn't seen that from, from Aaron Wiggins yet. So that was, that was sweet to see. It's funny. Um, like we saw it from Trey Mann last year. And I think that shocked everybody when he got a couple of those highlight dunks. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, Wiggins. With <laughs> it was awesome. It was, it was really, really fun watching a young team that were, I think Thunder fans are like, I think Thunder fans are starting to realize like this team's pretty good. Like it's fun watching other Coaches, other staffs, other players, other like road arenas, road announcers um, realize the same thing. Like these guys are, these guys are competent. Like Mike Green mentioned it more than once. He said, this team is, he said, watch out for Oklahoma city. They're a team that could go from 32 wins to like high fifties wins in one season. Um, And obviously they're they're work in progress but like you're saying chet is going to make such a big difference like this team is improving so much chet was like this he was what we were anticipating he is what all of those losses were were for last year right and then you get him and then you don't have him for the season the entire year he's out with this this injury and yet the team is taking a leap without him and he's getting to see it. He's got a, a front row seat to the entire thing. He's going to make such a huge difference. Like imagine adding Chet and let's just say a lottery pick to this team next year. Like how good, how good could this team be if you spend a little bit of your money because they're going to have some in the summer and you add Chet and you add another solid, you know, presumably another solid, solid rookie. It's, it's crazy. And we haven't even talked about Usman Jang, who's been playing in the G league for the last couple, last couple of games. We haven't even seen him on this team. Like he's doing great things. He looks like, like he looks like you would want him to look in the G league. He looks better than the other guys. He looks like he looks like a why is this guy why is this guy here type of player 
a lot like Lou Dort did um, in his year, his first year. It's just, it's crazy. So I ask you this, are you like, are you rooting for wins? Are we supposed to be rooting for wins? I felt really bummed when they lost yesterday. And this is, this is all coming back as new. Um, because I'll, the last couple years, I would have been pulling for Boston to pull that game out um, because there was such desperation to get, uh, you know, much, much higher levels of talent on this team. And right now I'm, I find myself pulling for wins. Um, I know that sounds crazy, but where are you at? Should, are we, have we reached just a totally new place where it's now go win all these games? Yeah, it's such a a strange but familiar feeling, uh, I think, for Thunder fans because you've been rooting for ping pong balls for the last couple of years. And Wimbanyan is out there. Scoot Henderson is out there. Like one generational talent and one really, really good, if not generational talent as well, are out there. And yet, here you are rooting for the Thunder to win. Like, you kind of find yourself doing it. I think it's a combination of a few things. I think it's because Shea's become that good, right? Where you yeah. feel comfortable. That's where like, it starts. That's where it starts. Yeah. Like, he's he has taken the leap of, this guy's going to be an all-star, but, like, is this guy going to make an all-NBA team? Like, he, there's no, there's, there, like, up to this point, he has been one of the, what would you say, three or four best guards in the league? Like yeah, I, I, I yeah. sincerely think he would make like if the season just stopped today and we had to make all NBA teams, I think he would make second team all NBA. Yeah, he would. He, he should. Like if and you that's, go by... and that, that's what that's what makes like that that is the that is the tone setter. That is the reason we're having this specific question being asked. And I think you and I individually are getting this a lot from people. Like, are we supposed to be rooting for these wins? Why am I feeling like the old days when like every game, like if a, a loss was just so, so painful, like I'm feeling those feelings again. Is this, is this right? What, what, what is going on? Yeah. I think that's exactly what it is. You know, that you have a guy that's a star right now. Like he's going to be an all-star. He's, he should be all NBA. Like if it were going to stop right now, like you said, uh, and he might be becoming a superstar, not just an all-star. Like that is definitely in the realm of, of, very good possibility of happening. So when you have that and he's 24 years old and you have Josh Giddy and Jalen Williams and Trey Mann and Poku, and you see all this potential and Lou Dort and Ujman Jang, who you said like has been tearing up the G league and it looks promising. And then you also have Chet Hunger. that's the other big piece. Like that's the other missing piece of this equation, knowing that next year you have a star in SGA and you have Chet Holmgren, who very well could be a, a star. It's who knows, who knows how it's going to end up. But you know, it should be. Into, it should be said he's the high, like he's the highest rated prospect on this team. Yes, he is, and he's most draft experts feel like he is an all star in the future. Like you never know how it's going to pan out, um, but you feel really good. You feel like you're adding a number two overall pick who has star potential to SJ who is already a star. And then you have all these shots with, with Giddy man, Dort Poku, Jalen Williams, Ushman Jang. And then, like you said, you're maybe adding, you know, a top 10 pick probably as well in a very, very stacked draft class. So you kind of feel good no matter what happens. So that old feeling of rooting for wins and you're rooting for, I think, these guys as well because you see how much they want it. And you yep. want it for Shea and you want it for Dord. And they're fighting so hard. And it's like, well, if they're winning now and they're going to add Chet and a draft pick and they're going to keep growing and they have all these draft picks in the future that they could trade for another guy and they have the salary cap space, it's kind of all gravy. If they win, it's great. You can celebrate it. And if they lose, hey, that's more women yana and scoot ping pong balls. It's a good point about you like you've seen these guys and how much it means to them. And in, in that, not that it didn't mean a ton to them 
in previous years, but there was this sense of almost this sense of like duty. Like this is what's, this is the plan. This is what this is. It was built to be this way, um, but it was not going to be like this forever. Uh, now, you know, it, it, like you're saying, it just, you want it for these guys. Cause they've been at, they, they've been at this for so long now and, and they're just so competitive. They're just so competitive in all these games, no matter what. And I expect, I like, I'm going into these games. I wasn't surprised at all that, that, that they went in and were incredibly competitive against Boston. Like at the beginning of the year, I would have been like, Oh yeah, that's going to be a, that's going to be a double digit loss. Um, and if it's not something, something happened. Um, I wasn't surprised at all when seeing, seeing the fight, seeing the efficiency, seeing the, the, the IQ, all of it, they're, they're building such a, um, such a, a chemistry amongst, uh, the entire roster. It's not just the the starting five. We're watching Shea leave the floor with a lead and watching him return to the floor uh, with that same lead. And it's th- like, that is not how it used to be. Um, we watched, we watched, uh, we watched Russ, you know, struggle, not, not he personally, but like the, the team struggle when he left the floor. This is a, this is a very, very different type of, of roster. And, and it's like they're they're doing it at such a young age. It's it's really exciting. And like what you're saying with Chad, like he's going to be so productive from day one. He like the the role is just there. It's his. It's just so clear. You can watch these games and imagine all like the the impact that he's going to have on these lineups. It's going to be. It's going to be a lot of fun, a whole lot of fun. Yeah, it really is. I I think knowing that you have SGA and Chet Holmgren, it just makes the future feel bright no matter what happens. So it's kind of like it's going to be okay. Like I think there was a worry and a fear. Like, are the Thunder going to get back to relevancy? Are the Thunder going to get back to playoffs? How long is that going to take? I think that SGA's ascension – and this team already being competent and competitive, him becoming a star and knowing that you get to add Chet to that and all these draft picks and all these shots of some of these other guys panning out, maybe becoming stars or really, really strong role players, the future feels brighter. So you can kind of enjoy whatever happens. You can enjoy wins or you can enjoy getting more ping pong balls for shots at Wimbanyana and Scoot. Yeah, no doubt. And at this point, like, I have to say, it feels like that sh- the ship for like one of those top two guys has sailed. Am I like, is that how you feel? Or do you still feel like at some point this could turn into them, you know, shutting guys down and, and really trying to bottom out? Uh, I, you know, Sam Presti said at his exit interview last year and at his, um, pregame interview with the media this year that as long as the team is playing competitive games or games of consequence that those were the words he used they'll play once there's no more games of consequence then they'll shift to you know development was the wording so basically what that means as long as they're have a chance of making the play in they'll play them once it's like mathematically not a not a chance to be in the play in. I think then you'll start to see guys rest. Some, you know, I don't know if you'll see, you know, back to backs shutting down. You get to rest night. You get to rest this other night. That type of thing. Uh, but other than that, if they're, you know, in the hunt, I think they'll let them be in the hunt. I agree. I think it. I think that's exactly how it's going to go. Like, as long as they are, as long as they're healthy and and competitive i think they're going to let this team team go and that begs the question is this team a play-in team you know okay so they're in a play-in spot right now and they've played against a really really tough schedule but there's there's a couple of weird things going right now like the warriors are going to pass them you know i mean that's going to happen um the timberwolves should i mean at this point i don't know if it's going to happen or not but the Timberwolves with K 
Cat and Gobert and, and Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell should pass them. Um, uh, I feel like there was another team. I'm not looking at the standings right now. I don't have it in front of so me. The, the, so the, the Lakers, the, the Lakers, Lakers obviously yeah. should, should, but who knows? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to read you um, Houston's at the bottom right above them is the Lakers. I don't know if, how you feel about the Lakers, but they're two and a half behind us um, at six. They're three and 10. Uh, we have matching records with golden state, Minnesota, uh, San Antonio and Oklahoma city. Those four teams are all six and eight um, and golden state's intent. So they're tied for that spot. Um, they're a game behind Sacramento. They're a game and a half behind new Orleans. Um, two games behind the Clippers and the Clippers are in seventh. So, um, you know, Utah's up there, which is a surprise. We'll see how long that lasts. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Uh, one way or the other, if they stayed relevant for the majority of the season, good on them. Um, but I also could see them, uh, see them taking a nosedive, but who knows? Um, but they are playing. I mean, they they're playing really good basketball. Like they have the second, they have the second best point differential in the West. Uh, really impressive what they're doing. Um, the home their home court remains like elite. Like they have a really, really good environment there. Um, so yeah, I, I I wouldn't be shocked if we're sitting, you know, post trade deadline, and we're still around the same, you know tied for that 10th spot um it'll be i th- I think as long as they're they're healthy and going after like this team is competitive and shea is the best player on the floor many many nights yeah that's the thing the thunder are going to win more games than people expected because shea is just that good and because these other young players are better than people thought and better than people anticipated I don't know if they're a playing team this year or not. I would guess that they're not because, you know, like we said, the the Warriors and the Wolves uh, should ascend. The Lakers should. <laughs> I mean, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Um, but the difference is those teams, no matter what, are going to fight for for wins at the end of the season. But if the, the Thunder are out of it, then, you know, they're not going to fight for it anymore. I, I think that this is the last year. My prediction is, they're not a playing team this year. Uh, you know, if they had Chet, maybe that's a different story, but I don't think they're a playing team this year, but next year, next year, I think that they will be. The, you know what the Utah Minnesota situation reminds me of after that trade is, um, is what we're seeing with the Seahawks and Broncos. Like Minnesota gave up so, so much to get Gobert and they're staring way up at Utah in the standings right now. And Utah's Utah feel like they play as if they've been liberated from, from a team that was really the, the vibes were bad (laughs) with Mitchell and Gobert and had been for a while. Um, And it's just, it's, it's a good, a good lesson. Like you can take on these picks and still remain pretty good. (laughs) You can, you can be better than you think. And you still have this, uh, insane haul from this, from, from one player, um, Minnesota. If I was a Timberwolves fan, I would be in all out panic. Yeah. I feel bad, man, for Wolves fans. I got to say, they thought that this was going to be the year you, you make an all in move like that. And you have four guys who are all-star caliber guys. They're either all-stars or your Anthony Edwards, who some people say is their best player. And he's the only one that hasn't been an all-star. So you have a team that should be a contender on paper. I don't know if it's a funky fit. I don't know if it's chemistry because we've heard, you know, some buzz come out of there that, you know, guys are not happy, whatever it is, if it's the culture or whatever you want to say, it is, I don't know, but this team should be much, much better. You know, the Thunder don't have any all-stars. We know that Shea is an all-star. Should have been an all-star a couple of years ago. He's going to be an all-star this year. But technically, at this point, have zero all-stars. And the Wolves have three and an Anthony Edwards, and they have the same record as the Thunder. And I think the Thunder have played the harder schedule so far. Um, it's crazy. I mean, 
it, it, it makes no sense. Uh, <laughs> but you know, and that, and again, to go back to the Thunder rebuild, that's why Sam Presti doesn't want to take any shortcuts. That's why he doesn't want to skip the line. That's why you build the foundation, you build the chemistry, you build the development, and then you can kind of layer in those pieces. And maybe that's what the Wolves felt like they did, you know, because they had a, a pretty solid season last year. And so maybe they felt like adding Gobert was was the missing piece. So so credit to them, and maybe they'll turn it around. Um, but that also shows you got to get the right guy when you're going to go all in. Like you 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 got to make sure it's going to be the right fit for you on court and in the locker room. Uh, and I have faith that the Thunder are going to take the the right avenue when that happens when when they're at that stage. All right, we're going to wrap it there. Oklahoma City plays in Washington tomorrow night. Um, Thunder Thunder visited the White House today. Um, Shea Gilgis Alexander Hamilton in the room where it happens. Like, are you serious? Where do you where do you come up with this stuff? Um, I'm weird, man. Uh, I mean, that's that's one of your best. That's one of your best. Thank you, man. I appreciate uh, as, it. As a as a uh, Hamilton stan, that is a. Uh, that's pretty good. When when's the next time you project they're back at the White House for a very different type of visit? For for a de- very different reason, I'll uh, twenty twenty six. I love it. I love it. We're on the record. We're on there the we record. Go. Um, all right. Uh, so just, yeah, just so, in time for for Shay to decide to to stick around for another contract. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I don't even want to think about that, to be honest. Um, Thunder Wizards tomorrow night. Um, we will be back next week to cover uh, the next few games and uh, anything else that happens. But Brandon, as always, thank you very much. Absolutely, Ryan. Have a good night. Thanks for listening, everyone. All right. Yeah. Thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Hey, Daily Thunder fans, we just wanted to take a minute to let you know how you can support this show and other Daily Thunder content. The first thing you can do is subscribe to our Patreon page, where for $5 a month, you get access to our morning roundups of Thunder news, notes, and commentary. Another way to support our site is by visiting one of our partners, ShopGood. Daily Thunder has numerous custom-made designs listed on ShopGood's website. All original, hand-printed, and perfect for any Thunder fan looking to add a hat or shirt to their wardrobe. Most items come in a variety of color schemes, including our Thunderbird and Thundershield tees, which pay homage to Oklahoma's Native American culture and state flag. Your support is vital to our success, allowing us to do things like pay contributors and set up live events like in-person watch parties, It also helps keep DailyThunder.com free of paywalls and intrusive advertisements. Any and all contributions made are greatly appreciated by the entire Daily Thunder family.